Good morning. Welcome to the Light of the World broadcast, a ministry of the Holly Grove Baptist Church in Bearden, Arkansas. We, we pray that you are encouraged by the Word of God. God loves you, and so do I. We look forward to seeing you soon. Good morning. Today's scripture will come from Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for allowing us to gather together as a church family to glorify your name. During this pandemic, we pray for healing, peace, and understanding. We ask that you bless everyone in a special way. Thank you for being so, so good to us. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss this year through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fought with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. Grab the word of God and turn to John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. It says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then said he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her into his own home. I want to live for a thought, a mother's love. A mother's love. Mother's Day cannot be celebrated without a good understanding of the mystery of what motherhood really is. 
Motherhood goes beyond any physical labor pains and carrying a baby for nine months. A mother's role is much greater. There are those who serve not as a birth mother, but provide the care and nurturing of a mother. There are those who have given of themselves through the adoption process to serve as a mother for the motherless. However, Mary, the mother of Jesus, gives us a picture of motherhood that serves us well. She is no longer the adolescent who gave birth in a manger filled with hay. She is now 33 and a half years removed from that scenario. And the average age of those who lived in that day was approximately 50 to 55 years old. Therefore, she is advanced in age. However, this is the day of her son's public execution. The crowd has determined that her son, the one who birthed from her womb, should face the humiliation of execution by the Roman cross hung between two thieves. This is not a trio of thieves nor a trio of lawbreakers. They do not have a common denominator in crime, but they have a common denominator in crucifixion. This is an unrelated group of men who are dying for three separate reasons. Prisoner number one is on the left, and if you will allow me to portray him, his crime against the state is of such nature that requires his execution. He is not a model prisoner, nor is his crime worthy of exoneration or clemency by the state. He obviously has offended the decorum of the day. He has already been deemed without excuse and has been punished by the loss of his life. He even is hostile to the point of his death as he has turned his inner anguish against his fellow prisoner, accusing one of them of being unusually gifted to command angels at his word. Prisoner number three is on the right hand of this triad. He too is guilty of some crime which has required his immediate dismissal from the walk of life. He is guilty without a doubt and he now realizes that his life ebbs away as a result of his crime. He realizes that it is now too late to get to the church house. It is now too late to get to the doors of the temple of Jerusalem. However, he has found clemency of his sinful soul by seeking remembrance from a fellow death row inmate. Prisoner number two, the man in the middle, is unlike prisoner number one and number three. He is not guilty of any moral lapse, ethical error, or civil disobedience. Matter of fact, if our neighborhoods were populated with more people like him, our neighborhoods would be safer, our churches would be happier, and our cities would be flourishing with health and prosperity. His only misdemeanor crime could be that he has chosen to operate without a license. He healed the sick without the benefit of the medical proficiency board exam. He raised the dead without the benefit of a funeral director license. He restored fractured fellowship without a degree in psychology. 
He walked on water without the benefit of Newton's law of physics. He gathered large crowds together without the benefit of a permit for lawful assembly. He fed large crowds without the benefits of training in an institution of culinary arts. He opened blinded eyes without the benefits of a degree with a specialization of laser eye care. He provided liquid refreshments at a wedding ceremony after a social faux pas when the wine ran out without the benefit of training in the study of water and the study of grapes. Unlike the others, this prisoner has names. Some call him Jesus. Some call him Emmanuel. Some call him Wonderful Counselor. Some call him Almighty God. Some call him the Prince of Peace. Some call him the Everlasting Father. Some call him the King of Glory. Some call him the Shepherd. And unlike prisoners one and three, his mother is recorded as being present on this dreadful day. This day of public humiliation, not only for the prisoner, but for the family of the prisoner. When most families would have been home dressed in mourners black and locked into their homes with the curtains drawn and the doors shut to somehow block the scorn and ridicule of the neighbors. But Mary is present. This is not a mystery, but it is a testimony and a confirmation to what my own mother once told me and what my grandmother told her and what their mothers told them as well. And that is that a mother loves her children at all times. If the child is the president of the United States, mother loves him. If the child is the governor of the state, mother loves him. If the child is the mayor of the city, mother loves him. If the child is called by God to preach, mother loves him. If the child is the wife of a husband, mother loves her. If the child is the chief executive officer, mother loves her. If the child is the television announcer, mother loves her. If the child is a hustler, mother loves him. If the child is a robber, a murderer, or a thief, mother loves him. If the child is a prostitute or a drug addict, mother loves her. If the child is a pimp or a mac daddy, mother loves him. If the child is in prison, mother loves her. If the child is on death row, mother loves him. She may not approve of a lifestyle. She may not approve of a circumstance. She may not approve of a decision that you make. But if she is a genuine mother, she could hate the sin, but love the sinner. And somebody here knows that a real mother's love transcends circumstances. It transcends situations. It transcends moral failure. It transcends legal problems. It transcends ethical lapse in judgment. It transcends even the worst crime, the worst trouble, and the worst performance. And Mary has demonstrated this experience. And I want us to look at two things. The first thing is the crowd at the cross. First, the Apostle John writing not a synoptic gospel, but a targeted gospel takes a painstaking approach to identify each and every person. 
He begins by saying that this crowd is not in the spectator seats. They are not distant. They are not far away. They are not far flung. They are not a stone's throw away. They are not removed. The King James Version says, now there stood, which suggests that this crowd is knitted together to the situation and to the circumstances. They are not only a part of the public spectacle, but they are a part of the private pain. They are not only a part of the uneasy circumstances, but they are participating in deeply rooted sorrow. They are a part of the landscape, not a small dot on a Van Gogh painting, but they are there as a prominent personnel participants. They are there not just to witness his pain, but they are filled with agony as well. They are not there just to witness his death, but they are slowly dying on the inside as well. They are not there just to witness his torture, but they are tortured on the inside. They are there at the cross, a well-known instrument of the most cruel punishment borrowed by the Greeks and Romans from the Phoenicians and to it were affixed among the Romans down to the time of Constantine the Great, the guiltiest criminals, slaves, robbers, the authors and abettors of insurrection and occasionally in the provinces at the arbitrary pleasure of the governors upright and peaceable men also, and even Roman citizens themselves. At the cross of Jesus are three women, Mary, his sister, his mother's sister, Mary, who is the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene, three different women with three different stories. Mary, his mother, is the vessel that God chose to use as a passageway of Jesus' birth in a manger. There's Mary, the wife of Cleophas, who is the mother of James the Less. There's Mary Magdalene. She is so named because she is from Magdala. She has been cured of possession by evil spirits. Matter of fact, seven demons have gone out of her at Jesus' command. And there's a man there, the Apostle John, the beloved John, the John whom Jesus loved. And he is not there by accident, but by providence. The Lord's suffering has summoned him and he is not alone. His suffering has summoned every believer under the sound of my voice. And, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I'm here today because he was wounded for my transgressions. I'm here today because he was bruised for my iniquities. I'm here today because the chastisement of our peace was upon him. I'm here today because with his stripes, I am healed. Not only do I see the crowd at the cross, but sec secondly, I see the concern of Christ. As he is on that cross with life oozing out of his body, his mother watches him helplessly, but he watches her from a different perspective. She sees him as her child, but he sees her as his mother.
She sees him as an innocent child. He sees her as a sinner who needs grace. She sees him as a suffering son, but he sees her as a woman who needs provisions after he's gone. She sees him as her baby in trouble, but he sees her as a soul in trouble. She sees him as a dying man, but he sees her as a dying soul. And he interrupts the process of death. Oh, yes, he's the only one who can. He can remove the sting of death. He can stop death in his track. He does not stop death here, but he simply extends the deadline by a few minutes because it is appointed that every man should die. And yes, we all shall die one day, but God can interrupt the timetable as Hezekiah, as Ezekiel, as the apostle John, as somebody who the doctor gave up on a long time ago, as somebody who was supposed to have been swallowed up by death a long time ago. My brothers and sisters, his concern is more than just a hallelujah and glory on the other side, but his concern is for us on this side of the grave. May I suggest that concern is a commodity that is not as abundant as it used to be. Daughters don't care about the mothers like they used to. Mothers don't care about the daughters like they used to. Fathers don't care about their sons like they used to. Sons don't care about their fathers like they used to. Husbands and wives don't care about each other like they used to. The family structure is in disarray. People in church are more like strangers than brothers and sisters. But that is good news, and that good news is that Jesus cares. Your friends may not care, but Jesus cares. Your family may not care, but Jesus care. And his care is not always based on our future needs, but thank God it's often based on our current conditions. You remember Jesus' disciples were caught up in a storm. The boat was tossed about. His concern was demonstrated not after the storm, but during the storm. A man was blind on the highway. He calls out for Jesus to see about him. His concern was demonstrated not after the man received his sight, but during his blindness. A centurion had a child that was sick. He goes to Jesus and his concern was not demonstrated at the funeral, but while the child was sick. Lazarus dies. Jesus shows up and his concern was not demonstrated during the funeral procession, but during the heartbreak in the home. He looks and sees Mary standing by the cross and he begins to offer her closure. He invites her to look at him as if to suggest that this is the last veering of her birth child. And then he opens up an office of mother support and he transfers her from his care to the care of John. May I suggest to you today that God can take care of you with or without human assistance. God can heal you with or without medicine. He can bless you with or without finances. He can restore you with or without a physician. He places Mary into the hands of John, but he makes sure that John understands 
his new robe. Mary is now his mother. I know that you love me. You know that I love you as if to say she was my mother, but now she's your mother. Somebody here understands that you lost your mother or father a long time ago, but God has raised up not a foster mother, not a foster father, not a stepmother, not a stepfather, but a mother or a father to establish relationship with you. Relationship is important. The power of connection can make all the difference in the world. Who you hitch your plow to can make a difference in how you work the field. Who you hang out with can make the difference in your deliverance. But I'm so glad that there are God-ordained connections because when a child is gone, God will allow connection to another child. When a husband is gone, God will allow connection to another man. When a wife is gone, God will allow connection to another woman. When a job is gone, God will allow connection to another job. When a house is gone, God will allow connection to another house. The story of Moses proves that if mother is gone, God will provide a mother somehow. He sent down the river in a mini ark and is connected to the house of Pharaoh and his mother is connected to provide for him. The story of Joseph proves that if father and mother are gone, that God will provide somehow. He is removed from his parents, but he is connected with blessings in spite of his captivity in a strange land. The story of Elisha proves that God will provide connection with an Elijah. The story of Barnabas proves that God will provide connection with a Paul. I don't know about you, but I have a story. And that story is that God will provide. I've seen the lightning flashing. I've heard the thunder rolling, but I know that God will provide somehow. Jesus provides connection. And you don't hear John say, no, not me. You don't hear John say, Jesus, I don't play that. You don't hear John say, Jesus, I've got too many other responsibilities. You don't hear John say, Jesus, I'm too busy. You don't hear John say, Jesus, get somebody else. But Jesus knew that he had the right man at the right time. And the reason that he could know is that he could see. Now, to see in the Greek language means to perceive and to have a degree of knowledge. But I'm glad that God knows who can handle his mother. Notice that Jesus had other brothers and sisters, but they could not handle his mother. Surely there had to be some survivors in this family, some kinfolk in this family. But Jesus goes beyond the bloodline to establish relationships. And John takes her. The King James says home, but this goes beyond that. He does not take her home, but he makes her a part of his life. I have discovered that you can be in a house, but it may not feel like home. 
But thank God, even though she is suffering, she is not alone. Somebody here ought to be a witness. My brothers and sisters, Jesus is still the master teacher. The mystery of this story is that Jesus is showing us what being in the kingdom is really like. You may be lonely and by yourself, but Jesus still wants to provide for you and make you a part of himself. Somebody here ought to be a witness. He won't leave you by yourself because he will walk with you. He will talk with you. He will fellowship with you. He will hold your hand. He will give you rest. He will be your best friend. And somebody here ought to get excited today because while on that cross, he died for your sins. He was buried for your sins. But early one Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. And I can hear Mary on her way home saying, I once was young, but now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He will provide. Do you know he'll provide? He'll be a mother to the motherless. He'll be a father to the fatherless. He'll be a friend to the friendless. And he'll be your burden bearer and your heavenly Lord sharer. He'll walk with you and he'll talk with you. He promised never to leave you, never to leave you alone. You have been listening to the Light of the World broadcast, a ministry of the Holly Grove Baptist Church in Bridgen, Arkansas. We hope you will join us next week.